All right. So we've talked uh, before on the show about how it's kind of been an interesting kind of weird start to the NFL season, a little bit different of a year than in years past. Here's something else to kind of prove that as well. Okay. This is uh, per ESPN stats via Adam Schefter. So the average final score margin of victory this year is 9.43 points this season. That is the lowest as far as week nine goes where we're at right now since 1970. And there have also been 72 games this year decided by seven points or fewer. That is the most games decided by seven points or fewer through week nine in NFL history. So going even beyond the merger, uh, all the way in NFL history over a hundred years of data. Strange year. I, it's good for the league, I think, because there have been a lot of close games and there have been, you know, some now granted, a, you know, the product itself, maybe, especially on the primetime games hasn't been as great, but overall you want parity in the league. And this is what that gets you. It is just crazy though, that it's been, there've been so many close games and so few blowouts, but I think that's kind of, what the league wants at the end of the day is competition. And that's what we've seen so far. This year feels more than any other year. I've seen that anybody could beat anybody. And I mean, we see it with Brady. We see it with Rogers. The the fact the Packers, the Bucks, the Rams are struggling the way they are and the surprise teams. Now, listen, we just passed the halfway point. There's a ton of football left, but there are some teams that absolutely are in some real tailspins. And there are some teams that already have, completely won over fan bases hit their over on their beginning of the year of like what expected win totals. It's just been an absolutely wild year and, and, and we emerging players and star players injured out uh, real disappointing years. It's a, it feels like a changing of the guard in the NFL in a lot of different divisions and with a lot of different players. Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And you know, this week in particular now, as we kind of, uh, you know, shift our, our, our way through week nine, uh, we've got a, a coach out. We have a record-breaking performance by a Chicago Bear. Uh, we have uh, some trades to discuss and departures. Um, and uh, we've got some crazy games as well. So week nine recap here on the Football Lounge is going to be an exciting one. Let's get to it. So starting off, um, you know, with a a couple, you know, housekeeping elements. First off, speaking of housekeeping, I like your set. Your new set there is in the basement. In the basement. In the basement of the house. We got the headset. Listen, yeah. Hey, a little different setup for me, but that's okay. As long as it works, we're good. It's almost, you look like a NASCAR driver right now, which is uh, fitting (laughs) given that we just had the cup race. And did you see that? I think you did see that because on Twitter, I think I saw you retweeted about the guy who, uh, forget his name, but he did the GameCube uh you oh, know, yeah. maneuver right along the uh the wall for the win just absolutely floored it again used the wall to kind of help just pass everyone that was a Robin's racing that was an insane clip yeah insane um but uh we've had some trades uh but first let's talk about the Colts Mark because Frank oh. Reich is out as head coach not only is Frank Reich out as head coach and this comes after they fired uh, a couple assistants including their offensive coordinator Jim Ursay fires Frank Reich the next day announces that, or maybe it was even later that day uh, that he announced Jeff Saturday. <laughs> yes. That Jeff Saturday, the guy who's been on ESPN over the past few years, uh, former center 
for the Colts during the Peyton Manning era, uh, has been a consultant with them. That's as far as the extent of his NFL experience beyond being a player goes, has been named interim head coach. What what do we make of the events of Jim Irsay and the Indianapolis Colts over the past 48 hours? This is bedlam. I don't know what to make of it. I, I honestly, um, you know, Frank Wright getting fired is not shocking. It, I mean, it the way the season's gone. If you would have told me two months ago Frank Reich would be fired, I would have been absolutely shocked. I said you're crazy. That'd be the craziest bold prediction you could make. Um, but I mean, the team has just fallen apart. And I think Ursay, what you're seeing is, um, is is just trying to get control of his team again. I think over the last couple of years he's trusted Ballard. He's trusted Frank Reich. Like, hey, they really went to bat for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, looking back on it, actually didn't have a terrible, terrible year. He didn't get them to the playoffs. He didn't win the games he needed to do. But he played decent at a quarterback position uh, to keep them above 500 and in that conversation. But to Jim Irsay, I think it saw he saw them defending and wanting Carson Wentz so bad as a, oh, okay, well, we're going to win playoff games. We're going to be back. This will be the answer. When that didn't go the way it went, I think we're now realizing that uh, they want a lot more thin ice than we necessarily thought. And that Jim Mercer is the type of owner who's like, you know what? I'm not, I, I'm not going to let this thing get any more out of control. I want to try to get control of my team. And maybe he's thought for a long time that Jeff Saturday is the type of person he'd love to see in his organization and maybe as a head coach. And so he's just saying, screw it. This season's done. It's over. It's a disaster. Let's uh, let's throw everything at the at the wind and, and go for it. I mean, it's wild, but Jim Mercer is a unique character. I guess that's the best way, the most politically correct way yes. to say it. So um, uh, he's making headlines and he's he's got control of his team back in his in his words. It's just interesting that Ballard is still there because Ballard, at the end of exactly. the day, you know, hired Reich sign off in every quarterback decision that was made as far as bringing certain people in. Uh, and maybe he's not long for it in the tooth and he knows he'll get a, a he'll, he's going to get a new general manager, but why not fire Ballard as well and bring in a guy who you think might be the next general manager, unless he doesn't know that guy out there yet, but he feels strongly about Jeff Saturday. Also to me, the, the bigger thing is why did Jeff Saturday say yes? If Frank Reich approach, I mean, if, if Jim Mercer approaches you, you can be like, Oh, that's flattering. But, why do you say yes to this? I, I don't understand it unless that was kind of maybe Jeff Saturday's play all along. He was had uh, the owner's ear and thought, I want to get a shot at this. I think I could do this, and he's going to get a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that he's wanted to be a head coach for a while in this league and didn't really necessarily have the means to work his way up the ladder and was like, well, ESPN's going to pay me millions, so I might as well do that. But then if you're going to bring him on as a consultant and then he gets this opportunity, he's probably just too good to pass up. And look, it's possible that he becomes a great head coach or even just a serviceable head coach for several years. That is certainly possible, but it's it's very much in line with the Jim Irsay outs, outside of the box type of approach. So we'll see if this one pays off for him. I think it was strange. And I, I you know, obviously they know way more than we do as as being on the out as much on the outside looking in as possibly can be. But I thought Frank Reich kind of got a raw deal in this thing. I mean, yeah, from the bit. start of it, he never had stability where you need it most at the quarterback position. At the very least, just with a staff in general. And, you know, part of that's on him for for sure. And, you know, you made a good point about how much to bat they went for Carson Wentz. But my other thing is, you know, what else were they supposed to do other than really just, you know, make attempts after attempt 
to bring in a quarterback that could win them football games. I mean, what was their best option outside of what you could argue making a push for Deshaun, uh, which I would, you know, we we've said, you know, brings a lot of baggage with it that you don't want anyway, then really what was their other, you know, opportunity, you know, Jimmy G maybe. Um, I just think they needed to draft a quarterback and, you know, they didn't really necessarily have the best opportunities to do so. And Fitterer has drafted some good players um, it is going to be interesting to see if he sticks around. It'd be a weird time to, to fire the GM, I guess, midway through, but there's really never a good time to do it. Um, so, yeah, I Indy's kind of weird. I don't really understand the direction they're going now at this point. Um, maybe, you know, also I've, I've heard it float out, you know, Ursay was probably like, let me just get a guy that's never coached at all and we'll just lose out. And, um, you know. I mean, the maybe, writing's on the wall. The Panthers I mean, are friskier than you thought. The Falcons are friskier than you thought. That number one pick could be up for grabs. I mean, the Falcons, the Giants, teams we thought were going to be uh, the Seahawks in it for the number one pick. They don't look like they're going to be in it. So right now it's like the Panthers and no one else seems to be in that race for wanting the number one overall pick. And maybe the Colts say, you know, hey, we have Houston in our division. We, we've we already lost to them. Like what, what else, you know, are tied with them, I guess. And you're right. It could be his play too. We uh, haven't necessarily gotten to discuss the trades, uh, uh, you know, uh, circling around the Bears since, um, you know, it's it's been a, a week plus since the yeah. news uh, came out. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of give you the floor to discuss uh, what your thoughts are. Obviously, most recently acquiring Chase Claypool for a second yeah. round pick um, with the Steelers. I personally think it's pretty much a win-win because I think you know, the, he was probably the best available wide receiver that the Bears could have, you know, realistically made a trade push for. Um, at the same time, I thought it was a little bit of an overpayment because I think they're giving him the Steelers a pick that is higher than what the Steelers used to draft him. But you get a guy who's uh, big and physical and, um, and and you get him for another year and can possibly extend him. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts on that move? Uh, my big thing is, um, first I go back to, it all starts, the dominoes fall with Roquan, right? And yes. I, I hate, you know, this is how I feel. I'm going to say, I'm going to sound just like I did during the Cleo Mack thing. I want in my heart of hearts, I want Roquan Smith to retire a bear hall of famer ring of honor. It's the same thing. I feel about Cleo Mack. When you make a trade for a guy like that, you want that to work out that way. Um, do I feel like Roquan, I mean, he held out, he demanded a trade. Exactly. Um, I don't feel bad for Roquan that things then didn't work out for him in Chicago. If you're going to act that way, sometimes GMs will call your bluff, especially a GM who didn't draft you. Um, but that being said, it's a risky, it's a risky move. I mean, he's a great, great player. And you, it, it sounds like Ryan Poles just realized after the summer negotiations, Roquan represents himself. They were never going to get close to what the number would be. And so in order to basically, I think at that time, I bet the Bears already knew at that time as well, it was going to take at least a second-round pick to get Chase Claypool. And so I think a lot of those dominoes started falling as well. I think if Ryan Poles realized, I need a, another second-rounder because I want to get – I want I need a second-round pick in the draft next year, I can get that for Roquan, and then that secures me a second-rounder, then I can go get aggressive at getting Claypool. Um, so I hate to see Roquan go, but in the end, I also think – um, if you weren't going to sign him and you and it just felt like it wasn't going to be the right 
right fit for your scheme. Also, I worry about that a little bit too, because as Bears fans, we have PTSD from Greg Olson. Mike Martz comes and goes, we don't need a tight end. They trade Greg Olson. It's like, well, sometimes the player is better than the scheme, right? And Roquan feels a little bit like that. I mean, he was very, very good for the Bears this year in this new scheme. Um, was he 20 million plus a year good? I, I don't know. It's 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 a tough argument. So um Getting to Claypool, then I think it's a it's a huge victory because um, you want to use a second round pick on offense anyways, and so you now getting a person who really high upside. Uh, we've already seen great flashes of in the NFL. Still very young, getting a kind of a refresh with a new young quarterback, someone you could kind of similar age. He has Cole Komet there, college teammate of his. There, there's like the fit, the scheme, all that feels really, really right. Um, and the biggest thing to me is they got him from the Packers. It was the the Steelers said it became the Bears and the Packers, and the Bears outbid the Packers with their pick, knowing that uh, the the Steelers are right. The Bears probably going to be worse than the Packers this year, even though I don't know the way it's going. And uh, they gambled, and the fact that they they won that over Green Bay too, I'll always think of that trade as a win. And and listen, you have a year and a half of Claypool. You have this half a year to build the chemistry. You don't have to sign him. Excuse me. If he if he if he explodes on the scene, great. You can maybe sign him and Mooney, lock them up to favorable deals. Uh, or you know, if he's not great by the end of the year and things are going, eh, you say, all right, well, let's bring you through camp. We got all next year, and if he walks away, you get a year and a half out of a of a productive receiver for a second round pick to throw things at the offense. I think it's worth worth the risk for sure. Um, and and to be honest, I think this I think this Bears front office feels really comfortable drafting linemen and defense. I don't think this Bears front offense feels comfortable drafting wide receivers and playmakers. We've already seen it now with Velas Jones Jr. He seems to kind of be a bust as their first offensive pick. Everything they took on defense and offensive line looked like hits, looked like all-stars. So the Bears, I think personally, should focus the draft. I know this seems silly on offensive line and defense, and you spend the money – uh, the white, you know, the free agency money in the offensive world to build around Justin Fields. Now, maybe that also is a tackle, but I mean a weapon or two, because uh, I worry about this Bears front office and their ability to spot the talent on the on the offensive side of the ball. But they've yeah, been some pretty good so far. Talent. Yeah, proven talent where you can. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And you know, speaking to the Claypool thing, um, he's a really good fit within the offense as well because now you have like a solid, you know, X receiver and then Absolutely. Mooney, like the two different body types as well. So they really complement each other very well. Um, you know, and Claypool even mentioned that he didn't feel comfortable in the slot, which is where Pittsburgh was using him this year because they got Pickens and they have Deontay. Uh, I personally thought he should have been in the slot all along. Cause I, I thought that big body over the middle field was helpful, uh, but he didn't seem to fit very well into it. He said, so Maybe he'll feel much more comfortable being on the outside. And it's important to help develop your younger talent. That was kind of the downside of trading away Claypool was that while you take a weapon away from Kenny Pickett, that's not ideal when you're developing him. Meanwhile, Justin Fields gets another, you know, capable receiver to help his development this year. And, um, you know, typically we go in order from the Thursday game on, but, I think a perfect segue is into just Justin Fields and the record-breaking record-breaking that day. He had 178 yards rushing for him, which uh, is an NFL record for a quarterback in a single game. 
unbelievable. I mean, he had a 61-yard touchdown run that was awesome. And then he still had 117 yards rushing outside of that huge rushing touchdown. Um, he has looked great. And this came in a losing effort to the Dolphins, believe it or not, 35-32 in favor of Miami. That was the best loss I've ever seen, like probably in, in recent memory. I mean, I've never seen a team look so good, uh, especially a team that hadn't, you know, looked great. Um, man, they they looked uh, great. And Justin Fields looked all every bit of what they spent on him for that, uh, you know, trading up first round pick a couple of years ago. I mean, Dan, I, I hate losing. I hate watching losing, but this is exactly what we talked about. If we said perfect case scenario this year going to this year is that you leave the year knowing Justin Fields is the guy and you get a and you have a ton of cap space and draft picks. Uh, and also, I feel good about Iberflus. And now it's like, hey, I yeah. think the schemes are still good. I think he's a he's a solid head coach, especially the way him and Getsy have just said, Let's steal basically the Ravens playbook, the what the what the Phillies are doing, the Eagles are doing, not the Phillies, and and kind of you know put these things together and be willing to just make this happen uh, and and help this kid feel so much more confident. What you're seeing too is Justin Fields' confidence is just exploding over the last three games. The pocket stuff, the passing will come. Lamar Jackson, it eventually came, and now Lamar Jackson can sit there and dice you apart. Because he knows the schemes, it feels more comfortable with it. They're they're doing this exactly the same thing now with Justin Fields. And again, does it mean the Bears are going to win a Super Bowl? I, I don't know, but what it does mean is that we can play in the modern NFL and have an offense that feels like you could play in the modern NFL. And right now, uh, you feel ju- good with Justin Fields going forward, saying in the NFC when you look around the landscape of the NFC. I feel pretty good about my guy and the future and and what he can bring to the table. I mean, um, it, it's beyond exciting to see. Um, Are you convinced and, he's the franchise guy now? After, well, I after was what convinced you've seen the past month. I, I was convinced he was going to be the starter next year, no matter what. I, I, at this sure. point in time, unless but do you things, think he's like a, a, a? Do you think at this point that he's the guy in the next five years? I think I think so. I mean, what you're seeing. Yeah. I mean, this is this type of offensive football. Again, I've said it with Lamar Jackson. This is the type of football that can win you in the NFL for a six, seven year stretch. We saw it with Cam Newton. Eventually, it will. It won't work. Eventually, if you want to be a 15 year guy, I don't think Justin Fields is a 15 year guy. No, but can the Bears and Justin Fields create something here over the next three years? that could be really, really dangerous, really, really exciting, and maybe win uh, a ton of football games. I think absolutely it's starting to show into that. And and, and Justin Fields, if he if he puts himself in that category with Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, which he's doing right now, those are some of those dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, are they half a billion-dollar contract guys? I don't know. That's for the Bears to figure out. Depends on how things go, but right now it's a great stretch. It's great development, and you got to feel better about Justin Fields right now than any other second-year or rookie quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and I agree with the Eberflus thing. He does seem he's just got a different feel that I don't think we felt with Nagy, um, even during his Coach of the Year year in 2018. It it uh, it never felt like a like he commanded the room. Eberflus seems like that, just like. Uh, the adult in the room and even like him being a part of chase Claypool, getting the, uh, the scepter from NFL um, 
network with Kyle Brandt's uh, angry runs. You know, Eberflus was in on the picture and the photo shoot. It just seems like it's a it's a loose atmosphere while at the yeah. same thing being totally buttoned up. It's like the perfect balance, it seems, with Eberflus. He seems to strike that balance really well with his players uh, uh-huh. of being taken super seriously um, while also being able to, you know, relate to them on a personal level. So that's those are always encouraging signs. And good win for but, the Dolphins on the road. I mean, it, yeah, the Dolphins are, Dolphins are are absolute contenders in the AFC right now. A 300-yard performance from Tua, and, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is uh, seeming every bit the playmaker that he was in Kansas City. Uh, he's on pace to break the record, yeah. uh, Calvin Johnson's record, by nearly 200 yards. He's on pace for, like, 2,100 yards receiving. So Tyreek Hill is on a tear uh, this year. Let's backtrack to the Thursday game real quick. The Eagles win 29-17 over the Texans. No surprise there uh, other than – you know, the, the the Eagles aren't showing many flaws right now, and they're 8-0. Uh, they continue to be uh, the only undefeated team in the league. And um, I think the way that they've been playing, they are displaying and, and separating themselves, again, probably with that three-team bubble of Super Bowl contenders uh, just because of how versatile they are. And they're able to beat you in just so many different ways. And they can they're running the football better and better each week now, too. I mean, it's it's a dangerous team. They're really dangerous, and, uh, you know, they've built it the right way. And they're, again, taking advantage of uh, of everything that's coming their way. And I and I think so much um, of this is the development of Sirianni, his relationship with Jalen Hurts, uh, the weapons they've put around him. Their offensive line is incredible. And uh, they, they are absolutely Super Bowl contenders right now because – the NFC is just a disaster in so many ways for yes. the the you know the supposed juggernaut teams and the Eagles are the type of dangerous team where you can't tell me that on a neutral field uh, in great conditions that they couldn't get the best of Buffalo or Kansas City and kind of punch them in the mouth and and hit a couple big plays things go right and win those games so you can't tell me the Eagles are not legitimate Super Bowl contenders they are they're not a fake. Eight no, kind of like the Cardinals were eleven and zero last year, but it just didn't feel right. This is not a fake eight no. This is a really really good football team um, that I I think can play with anyone at any any time and have a chance to win. And the Steelers were eleven and zero the year before that, and we all see how that turned out. Yeah. Too. So yeah, that, that you could be fooled easily. Uh, the Chargers go on the road and get a three point win, very slim margin, but. Um, you know, Ellie's five and three, and it did seem like they were completely falling apart um, at times this year. And they, they the injury bug has just ravaged them. No Keenan Allen again. Mike Williams out. I mean, Josh Palmer was their number one receiver. Uh, but, you know, they found a way to win. And I know it's against the Falcons, but we talked about they've been a little bit of a tough out. Um, I think it's possible that some people, you know, maybe ruled the Chargers out a little bit too early. Um, I just think, you know, they're too talented across the board, in my opinion, and in a division that's certainly not nearly as good as we thought it would be. So, uh, you know, I think the Chargers are very much, you know, you know, I wouldn't say Super Bowl contenders, maybe, but, um, you know, threats to win playoff games and uh, still somewhat of a threat in that division, too. Well, listen, for the Chargers, it's all about can they get their bodies back? You know what I mean? Like, they won this game, and Justin Herbert won this game throwing to no-name guys we never heard of before. And they have to be able to run the ball better. Eckler is a great weapon, but he's not a – you need a bell cow running back. That team needs a running back, like a legit through the tackles, 
uh, bruiser type of guy that can just take some real pressure off of Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, I think about them with some of the free agents running backs coming up this year, you know, a, a Saquon Barkley or someone who just can like, just but then take... what do you do with Eckler? Because he's been so dominant. Too, well, no, I mean Eckler is Eckler is is still you a just piece. put him I in mean, the slot. Well, no, I mean Eckler is going to always be a huge part of your offense. But it just yeah. it, you look at their stats and you look at the box score at the end of a game and you just say to yourself, the Chargers need to take some pressure off this kid. They need and they need. I mean, listen, Rashawn Slater's out. Like their offensive line is be up. They're they're in yeah. body bags right now, so they need maybe maybe it is just improving the offensive line even more so going into next year for me to take them more seriously. You're right. They're not a Super Bowl contender, but they are finally looking like, you know, for Brandon Staley, like, okay, we've, we got control of the free fall. We were in a little bit. Now can we, we, you know, write this ship enough to stay afloat because all of a sudden if Keenan Allen gets back and healthy and Williams gets back and he's healthy with the Chargers have their full stable weapons with Justin Herbert, they can put up points. They can beat you uh, and, and upset a, a better team for sure. Uh, but uh, listen, they took care of it. They got a win they needed to get. And five and three, um, no one's screaming in LA like they were three weeks ago when they were under 500 and it looked like we were firing Brandon Staley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if his seat um, wasn't hot, you know, it was, it was wobbly to say the least. And so I think, you know, the more they can eke out some of these wins, the better prepared. Um, or, or the better suited, I should say, he'll be in keeping his job. Panthers go on the road and get doubled up on the Cincinnati by the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in Cincy, forty-two to twenty-one. No Jamar Chase, no problem for Joe Burrow and company. Um, Joe Mixon, five touchdowns, the most by any player this year in a single game. Uh, Bengals are only five and four, but they are you know, see me to put it all together at the right time. And I know Chase is going to be out for what, what is it, you know, another month perhaps. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it seems like they're well suited to weather the storm. It was against one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, they're, they're just, they're putting up a lot of points. And I think that's the biggest factor is, you know, regardless of who you're playing against, if you're consistently putting up a lot of points, they're going to be in a lot of games and Hey, they're getting it done on the ground too. Uh, this is dangerous stuff. This is what I meant with the Chargers. Like the the Bengals just won a game. The Chargers could never win a game that way. And yes. I think and I think that's exactly what a team like the Bengals needs. Like they they go into this week knowing we are the better team. We've had a rough season. We got a bunch of injuries all over. We need to get a W. Their coaches, it seemed like Taylor looked at the film, realized we should feed the rock to Joe Mixon 40 times and just get out of this game with a W. And it seemed like everyone in this in, around the table goes, yeah, okay, let's do that. And they did that. And it was an easy W like easy stack a W move on. You do what you need to do. Um, and that's huge for this team. I think just their confidence for their future and knowing that, Hey, remember when we went to Joe Mixon, all that, and he just won us a game offensive line of Joe Mixon just won us a game. That, that they're going to need to go back to that at some point in time, maybe not for a whole game, but for a quarter or two in, in a, in a tough game in January. And th- they're going to be able to rely on that where like the chargers and other teams don't uh, maybe they have it in them, but we haven't seen it. So it was great to see, you know, Patrick Holmes had to throw the ball 60 something times to get that W Joe Burrow had an easy handoffs, effective day, get out of there, get above 500. And uh, no one's talking about us flying under the radar. Keep uh Keep trying to keep this thing afloat while Jamar Chase is getting healthy. 
only a few, um, or, or I should say three games fewer this week, given six teams were on a bye. So for those fantasy managers, uh, you know, hopefully you weathered the Tough. storm. But, uh, you know, moving on to the NFC North with the Packers at the Lions and Detroit with a huge win here to improve to two and six, 15 to nine over the Packers that are just, they are, they are free now fall. just wailing and in free fall. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to describe it. 43 pass attempts for Aaron Rodgers, one touchdown, three interceptions, just could not get anything going. And uh, what was it? Two inter- two of those interceptions were in the red zone, like deep in the red zone. Yep. Um, I mean, it's clear it, and it's really bizarre because, you know, even coming into the year, we were like, yeah, the Packers offense is probably going to struggle a little bit. No Devontae Adams. We're not sure what they're going to be able to do. Uh, if they can lean on their running game, great. Uh, they have at times this year, but no one I don't think expected Aaron to seem as flustered and completely out of it. At least I didn't. I thought he's still Hall of Fame quarterback. He'll find a way to make things work, and there are going to be rocky times. But this is the rockiest it's ever been for Aaron, and um, he just seems almost completely checked out. I don't know about you, but, I mean, that's that's also just Aaron's body language in general but he really does seem like he's almost like mailed it in. Well, I mean, absolutely. Listen, he's, he's the defending two-time MVP back-to-back MVP. And it's not going to happen this year. And I mean, he's, his numbers are pathetic this year. I mean, considering when you think of a guy, it's almost like he's, I don't, I don't think his play is diminished enough, but, Aaron, this is now getting beyond the conspiracy. I'm a type of person who believes a little bit of the conspiracies with Aaron Rodgers of like, he will lose one game to try to prove a point. Like I thought the Buffalo game, I was convinced Mm. he would throw the ball away a ton, show that he had no wide receivers. They'd run the ball with Aaron Jones a ton to be like, listen, you got to make a move in the trade deadline, like get me someone. Um, And then I thought, okay, that didn't happen. Well, all right, now it's Detroit. He'll write the ship. Aaron will just do what he needs to do. He's going to, he wants to make the playoffs. He is, he knows legacies are on the line. His numbers are on the line. Aaron Rodgers throwing three interceptions in a game is the least Aaron Rodgers thing that Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Like that's, that's a nightmare. So now you go into, okay, there's just real problems in Green Bay. Fans are not happy up there. You see it on Twitter. People are pissed about the Chase Claypool news. Uh, people are obviously devastated after this loss. I think um, credit to the and, Lions. And just to interject, like you can't blame they did. They made a lot of attempts, from what it seems like. I mean, you can only attempt as much as you can attempt. I don't know what they wanted him to yeah. give up. Uh, well, they were they were willing to give up, you know, quite a bit. They were, but I also think at this point in time, you you know, you perception is on the side of the the is of the uh, of Aaron Rodgers in the sense that. The team knowingly let Devonte Adams, you know, they got rid of Devonte Adams and then just never really replaced him. And their second round receiver, right. what's his name, Watson, he's got a second concussion now in two weeks. Like things are just, it, it, they're a mess. And the Vikings have won the NFC North. It's over. Like the Vikings have won the NFC North. So the Packers now, are you playing for a wild card in uh, in you know when you're paying Aaron Rodgers fifty million dollars? They're in Broncos country where it's like, this is just a mess. And I don't really know what is the right answer to get out of it. Um, We'll see. They could still maybe sign Odell Beckham Jr. or try to do something, but they need something. And I just don't know if they're going to get it. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can 
lift the team on his back and go on a win streak here, get above 500 and get the team to the playoffs. You don't, you won't want to play the Packers in the playoffs. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's, you know, they'll, they'll have some of that on their side, but right now it's a, it's a mess. It's ugly to watch and good for the Lions. Credit to the Lions. Great win at home to just find a way to scrap and beat a team that always usually feels like you just walk out of bed and kick your butt. Like they, they saw an opportunity of like, this team's a little bloody, a little beaten, if we could play some sort of physical game, uh, we can maybe win this game, and they did. Aiden Hutchinson, too, with his first career interception, uh, the yeah. number two overall pick, getting it done there for Detroit. Aaron Rodgers, seven interceptions this year. That's the most he's thrown since 2016. That was the whole season. He is on pace to break uh, his career rec- career high for interceptions in a year, which was his first season in 08 uh, when he threw 13. He's on pace for 14 and like a half right now. So yeah, it's uh that just tells you all you need to know about the season Aaron Rodgers and the green Bay Packers are having so far uh, the Colts at the Patriots in a performance that largely uh, contributed to the firing of Frank Reich on the road uh, put up three points with Sam Ellinger and company 26 to three Patriots win new England's five and four. I mean, they're kind of hanging around uh, their divisions tough though. Like, you know, the Patriots, you know, only path to, you know, a playoff spot is, is the wild card at this point. And, um, but they're, they're getting it done. I mean, they're winning games and uh, I guess that's all you can ask for. Mac Jones is back at the helm. This seems to be a little bit more, you know, s- stability after a bit of a rocky road there with the Bailey Zappi uh, controversy and all of that stuff, but good win for the Patriots. Obviously this was a signaling loss for the Colts to just, yeah, we we're not. We talked compete about it. this year. We'll They're a disaster. Does. Yeah, the uh, Bills. Oh yeah, if you want to. Well, no, I just want to say I think Patriots. for the for Patriots fans, I don't know how. I mean, listen, winning cures all. I just don't know how confident Patriots fans are. I think there was a lot of excitement with Mac last year. Of like, oh, yeah. okay, game managers a rookie is going to make us to the playoffs. Like this is great. Let's build on it. There just doesn't seem. It seems like it's just back to same last year. He feels still like. He's playing the rookie ball and the offense is still, yeah, okay, you're winning and things are going, I guess, well. It doesn't, there doesn't seem to, to be the, the, any sort of the leaps, the jumps. Like, where's Max four touchdown, no interception, big game? I mean, they have some weapons in New England. Uh, offensively, just still shaky. Um, th- you're right. They're on track to maybe sneak into one of those wildcard spots, but it's very much like no trust in New England right now. It was kind of like what we talked about him having the highest floor last year yeah. of the quarterbacks and possibly already have re- having reached his ceiling. And, um, you know, maybe obviously with, with a couple of years, you can always grow in certain areas, but overall it seems like he, he may be more limited than a lot of these other quarterbacks that will eventually break through that ceiling and, and pass him up. So yeah, we may have just reached that point. Buffalo, meanwhile, loses on the road. The Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets are six and three this year. Robert Sella now uh, the favorite to win coach of the year um, in most betting books over Nick Sirianni at this point, which is kind of crazy. But I mean, you think about what they're working with and uh, Zach Wilson. Pete Carroll can't get a vote. Pete Carroll deserves a vote. He deserves a vote. Absolutely. For what he's done with Gino. Gino is in line right now to get comeback player of the year. Um but the Jets just, you know, finding a way to eke out a victory. It was a three-point win, but a, a division win. The Bills are 6-2. and two. 
The Jets are six and three. I mean, the Jets are saying, hey, don't forget about us in the AFC East. I mean, they're right there. Yeah. I listen, I think the Jets have found a really unique way of winning um despite Zach Wilson. Like he's they're finding ways to like, hey, and again, it's that we knew Zach would take time. I'm not totally you know I've never been a Zach Wilson fan. I don't want to turn into just trashing Zach Wilson. But credit, they're missing their their left tackle, they're missing their starting running back. They, they, they've had some injuries and they divisional games are always tougher. I think the bills are a better team than the jets. I think the bills not a neutral field or at home, you know, like uh, in a big spot, you always take the bills, but the jets are becoming a, a really, really feisty team that it seems well coached and good for Robert Sala because uh, by week two, three, there were some real questions and he's had some awkward press conferences and they've turned it around long season. Things could still, you know, not work out to where the you know the it wouldn't shock you if the if the Jets went on a big losing streak no I don't think so but um for the Bills I mean now all eyes on Josh Allen's elbow you know yeah I mean this is a, a disaster for, there it's a disaster for the Bills because we we said it after they beat the Chiefs the most important thing for the Bills is not to slip up because you want to play the AFC Championship game in Buffalo with that crowd and that's and that home field advantage. Now the door is now back open, especially if Josh Allen's going to miss some time. So it's it's concerning. Vikings go on the road and get a three point win at Washington, twenty to seventeen. They're seven and one on the year, looking pretty good, finding ways to win games. I mean, they, it hasn't always been pretty in Minnesota, uh, but they have found ways to win games. They've been competitive. Um, you know, jury's still out, as we've talked about many times. If Kirk Cousins can win the big game, win a playoff game or two, um, but right now, like you said, they are basically winning the North uh, despite a, a, you know, a colossal meltdown um, going into the second half of the season. Any takeaways from this game or really it's just kind of standard, you know, they should, uh, they listen, won the what Vikings, they should have I mean, yeah, they won what they should have won and they get Hawkinson in and look at, I mean, immediate impact. And so yeah. they are, um, I, again, I, it's hard with the Vikings because I'll go back to it. They're a great – right now they're looking like a really great regular season football team, and that is uh, certainly something I'm willing to eat my words if all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl and leading in the fourth quarter and Kirk Cousins looks great. Uh, but right now they're doing everything that they can. Credit to the Vikings uh, front office ownership staff to be like, listen, we they are the epitome of if you don't have the superstar quarterback, this is what your team needs to look like. It needs to be loaded – around with other pieces and a, and a energetic young offensive coach. And uh, they've done that and it's paying dividends, especially as the NFC is falling apart around them. Yeah. And the division, especially uh, the Jags uh, get a seven point win at home over the Raiders. Um, I don't know what to say about Vegas. It's, uh, it's wild. It's, 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 it's very confusing to me. Uh, and I will say that they have just cut, their 2019 first round pick, Jonathan Abram, the safety. So to read off uh, the list, they cut six, Abram. They cut Abram. When did today. they ha- When did that happen today? Uh, just to, just that. today, probably right before we went on here. I so missed that. Their six, their last six first round picks, um, dating back 2019, because they had multiple first round picks into the to the season. None of them are on the team outside of uh, Josh Jacobs, who had his fifth year declined. Now he'll probably either get tagged or they're going to try and, and retain him. He's been good, but we're talking Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram. Now Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs and Alex Leatherwood. I mean, that's a, 
that's a brutal stretch. Six first round draft picks and none of them outside of Jacobs have worked out. I, I mean, listen, it's um, it, it goes to show you I, part of that has to be, I think now that I'm, this is all settling in. I think part of that has to be it, tr- Mark Davis and the, and the, and the new, the new staff and, and, um, they're trying to protect their coach, Josh McDaniels. You know what I mean? They're. Tr- yeah. I think that's. It's got to be some of that of like, listen, you guys don't realize how bad it was. Look at how disastrous this was. We have nothing here. I think. I think they're trying to protect McDaniels, and they're trying to protect saying, this is a yeah. We this team made the playoffs last year. Um, that was a lot of, um, miracle work and just inspiration from a, an interim head coach. And now we're trying to build a, a new program and we, the cupboard was left bare. Um, but they keep losing in this dramatic fashion that is just insane. Uh, whether it's scoring no points or having big leads and then blowing them, they're a disaster, uh, absolute disaster. And credit to the Jags for taking advantage of that and getting a win. And Travis Etienne is here to stay. It looks like very much the future back that they drafted him to be. Uh, Geno Smith and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks continue to win. They are now six and three over the Cardinals. I would have bet you, uh, you know, a lot of money preseason that the Cardinals win this game handily. Uh, the Seahawks are the better team. They're just a better team. Like, I think we're looking at the Cardinals here and saying they're just a bunch of individual good pieces and players, but nothing to worry. You know, we, we've talked about this, just no cohesion with that group. They seem lost and just no clear direction, whereas the Seahawks are rallying around a philosophy. Kenneth Walker's been great. They've hit on their – I mean, they've had one of the best drafts that we've seen in recent memory, uh, and that helps a lot. And Geno's just playing within the system. Everything is everything is working uh, in cohesion for Seattle, and it's not in Arizona. And they're now – Arizona now three and six. Yeah, I mean, listen, they are – Does Cliff Kingsbury have a job? If, I, again, if I don't continue know. on this, I mean, did they just sign an, they got it, he right? just signed I mean, an extension. I mean, I don't know I what know, to do. It's bizarre. I, they're, they're the story. And you're tied of, to Kyler too. So I know like, they're, they're the know? story. It's it. Uh, this is why that we said at the beginning of the show this year is so weird. I mean, the Seahawks deserve a ton of credit. Oh, that's all I'm going to say. Like they deserve a ton of credit. They seemed like the better coach, better game plan, more physical uh, team with a better quarterback and Kyler Murray. Uh, right now, just seems like, like in a lot of ways, like Carson Wentz. You signed him to that big deal, and it's just been disastrous so far this year. And and he's got to own some of that. Like you're expected to play at an MVP level, um, and we we paid you on your potential and your ceiling, not what you've already done for us. You're not a Super Bowl winner, you know what I mean? You're not an MVP. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's at least got an MVP because they well, at least I showed you that. Um. Yeah, you had like a 10-game stretch where you kind of played like an MVP in the middle of a season, Kyler. But, um, yeah, a ton of criticism towards Arizona, and I don't know how they fix it because they look like they just hate each other and nothing's working, and yet everyone's locked up. So uh, who someone's got someone's got to go. Something's got to change if they can't yeah, right the ship stuck. here in the next, in the next uh, seven, eight games. I'm going to rifle off a couple quick games. Um, the the Chiefs win 20-17 to 17 over the Titans in, um, you know, late fashion and overtime. Patrick Mahomes just doing his thing late in this game, engineering a, a drive with some P third down conversions. 
and then getting them down the field in overtime for the winner. And then the Ravens win on Monday night, 27-13 over the Saints. Um, and, you know, I thought maybe we'll spend a little bit of time here that we have left on the Bucks rams game. But if you wanted to touch on either of those two I just mentioned, um, go for yeah, it. No. Obviously, you know, the Ravens getting uh, uh, another key win to, to kind of take a hold of their positioning in the North as well. But No, great win for the Ravens. Yeah, they, they did what they needed to do, and Lamar wasn't brilliant. But, again, it's just the team, you got a bunch of injuries, you're missing pieces, and that's what that's what a, a quarterback who you should pay does. It says, I'm not going to lose this game. Let me just go out and win this game. You saw it with Patrick Mahomes, too, on Sunday Night Football. It's the same thing, just like, I'm not going to lose this game. Let's just – I'm gonna, if i got to throw it 60-something times, I'll figure out a way to win this game, whether it's overtime, late fourth quarter, um, those are the guys that you you pay and you, you respect, and, and their their teams are in great positions for it. Say what you want about the LA Rams. Um, they're still the defending you know Super Bowl champions. Uh, they still got the talent on their team. I thought this was a get right game for Tampa after all of the stuff they've been dealing with, the really brutal losses, yeah. the you know the Tom Brady and the divorce and all of that you know surrounding this team and just in a cloud, a dark cloud over the team. I thought despite them only winning 16 to 13 and relatively an ugly game, they get the late touchdown pass from Brady. I thought just them to eke out a win in a, in a tough fought game at home against the defending champs. I, I think this was a big morale booster for this team and could be a catapult to uh, some success on the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I mean, they have to go to Germany next week and big travel, and they play that game in Munich. And um, um, for the Rams, much like the Packers and much like the Cardinals and 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 the Bucks, similarly. I mean, there are just there are some teams right now that um, you you just wonder how did they get here? Why is it so bad? And none of them are playing with the urgency and the and the desire, the passion that they need to be playing with. I mean, the Rams looked like a dead team. I mean, the Bucks weren't great in this game either, um, but they, the Rams had a chance to at least put it away a couple times, and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And Stafford hasn't looked right. I don't know if they're going to blame the injury or what they're going to do, but um, he doesn't even look like Matt Stafford. I mean, even when he was in Detroit and was losing, he was still Matt Stafford. It's just – None of this looks right, and um, I think that's what's so confusing. It's the same thing with Green Bay. It just you, you're looking at it, you're like, my knowledge says it should look one way, right? I have all of this data and this these years and years of watching this says it should look this way, and it doesn't look that way, and it's wild. It's just weird. Um, um, both of those and they teams can't def- run the football anymore. No, yeah, both of those teams needed a win, and the and the Bucks got one, so uh, it's huge for them. Yeah, I mean, a turning point in the season, you drop to three and six, that's, you know, pretty much season ending. They're four and five, and in a, in a bad division, they're still very capable of uh, taking this into a home playoff game, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, that will do it for our Week 9 recap here on the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan. Up next, Week 10. Mm-hmm.